Greetings again, everyone, and welcome to episode 117 of the Three Point Podcast and episode 5 of the COVID-19 quarantine. Our trifecta includes the youngster, Jared Fattel of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our middle guy, Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm the grandpa, Ted Fattel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 Radio. Our great partners include Advanced Elevator, the Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Sheridan Auction Service, and ProMech Engineering, along with online syndication teammate Sports Radio Detroit. Never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. And don't forget, you can shoot us your comments and questions on social media. That's at 3PointPod. Well, we got some good stuff to get into. Believe it or not, this last week we had some live sports programming how good was that the virtual nfl draft uh, which uh, we'll get into a little bit for sure and see how the lions fared also the bad boys are going to be featured tonight on the last dance can't wait for that we are recording this sunday afternoon april 26th and we're also going to talk a little business with a couple of managers of area stores and we're going to see how the uh, quarantine has uh, affected their business it all starts rolling right after this short break. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. 85, 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and auction your items and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan. All right, guys, let's start it off with the big topic uh, we just had a chance to watch, the NFL draft. How awesome was it to have some live programming in the sports world? Even though it was virtual, I thought uh, very well done, and we'll break it down a little bit. We'll talk about the Lions, but uh, initial thoughts. The Internet finds a way to make fun of pretty much everything, and that's the thing. You didn't really see any any negative feedback on the draft, even though they were doing like a – 200 or I don't even know how many people were on that Zoom call right. or whatever, how they were doing it. But it really didn't lose much of the production value, value like, at all for me. Like, I still loved it. Didn't really miss out. Yeah, like, they had a lot of cool stuff planned, like, what, taking a boat through, like, uh, the fountains or whatever in Vegas. But I don't know. This was still pretty damn good. Yeah, if, it, if you weren't going to go to Vegas and, yeah, ride the boat out when you got picked, this was a pretty solid alternative for the situation that we're in. And, yeah, like, I, that's what I was waiting for. Well, first of all, like, if something didn't work technically, you know, like if some of these calls were losing their connection or something. But you, like you said, Jared, people will find a way to rip just about anything. And for the most part, the only thing people were, like, making fun of were, like, coaches' houses or, yeah. like, the clothes they were wearing in their house or, like, what people were doing in the background. So really, like, as far as, like, the technical standpoint and, like, how ESPN pulled it off, 
It looked pretty awesome. I, I, I was really impressed, too. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, break it down a little bit for us, man. I mean, uh, take some pride, obviously, working for ESPN. But, uh, you know, Jared and I are just a couple of yahoos, but you work with the company. Looking at it from a technical aspect, what were your thoughts? Uh, yeah, basically what I said. I was I was a little and not concerned. I was a little curious, I guess, how they would pull it off just because we do – Skype calls or, you know, like uh, video chats and stuff for shows all the time. And, I mean, you guys know it, this, like doing FaceTime or whatever kind of video calls you want to do, are it's pretty unreliable. Like even sometimes we'll be talking on the phone and for the podcast and my phone will cut out right. you know, and stuff like that. So I was a little concerned because you knew, I mean, you talked about it, live sports programming finally. You knew that basically everyone who gave a lick about sports or the NFL was watching the NFL draft. So probably a lot of money they probably went crazy trying to sell ads for the nfl draft so i mean there are a lot of eyes on it so you know using the word concerned yeah maybe a little bit because you never know with technology if something's just going to give out and they pull it off there's i mean it's not patting anyone on the back it's it's no secret there's a ton of super talented people that work for espn and they obviously put a ton of effort into it this year i didn't have to do anything for the draft i usually do um, but this year i didn't so I was just proud of everyone that put in the effort, and I thought it looked awesome. My my one, I have a couple, I guess, critiques of what I would have done. I'm not sure how you do this. I think it's just one of the things that you lose uh, when you go to the virtual, which is just like the only the only player I think that they did an interview with was Joe Burrow. And I'm not sure, like, usually, if you remember, like, the Maria Taylor, like, with the mm-hmm. NBA draft, like, that was probably the best part of it, was after every single guy got drafted, you got to ask, like, three questions to him. And I'm not sure if you really probably wouldn't have been able to pull that off with every single first-rounder getting interviewed. Or, but uh, And then one more thing I also kind of didn't like, well, this is kind of funny, for, I went up, like, right when the Lions were about to pick, because you knew Burrow was going to pick, you knew Redskins were going to take Chase Young, and I was busy playing Call of Duty, so, but I did come up for the third for the third pick of the Lions pick and for the remainder of the first draft or for the first round. But my dad was watching the like college football broadcast. He's like, like I was like, where's Mel Kiper? Where's uh, I thought I heard Trey Wingo was hosting this. And we were watching like the ABC, ABC broadcast, right. which was all the college guys. And I wish that, and I don't know if this is something they always do, but I think they might've just done it just because of the lack of stuff that was on TV. But I kind of missed having like Kirk Herbstreit. I think usually it's just Kirk Herbstreit who's in there. Uh, like at the place, like when they draft these guys to give like the college perspective. I wish I could have had both of them on the same broadcast. I know what you're saying. Yeah, Herbie usually is one of their main guys to talk about the college side of it. But overall, I thought really well done, and I was I, I thought Roger Goodell was a little goofy, especially I mean, early on. But he he rolled with it pretty well. Yeah, I thought I was surprised that I think that their whole thing was like, oh, let's try to humanize this guy. Like yeah. the, I didn't like oh, the booing. Yeah, no, I didn't. I thought, I thought that was kind of stupid. That was hokey. But I, I'm not gonna lie. Whenever he would do the when I would go to him in his basement, it reminded me of you when you we do like our videos, like how your setup is in your basement. You, you like my you, setup, by the way? <laughs> it's kind of like you made it that way like it's a movie set or something <laughs> that's my office I, man i always whenever ted whenever we do videos and you send them i always the first thing i do is look in the background and see like if you've changed anything like with the lions one after the draft you hung up your lions jersey <laughs> i didn't always see wondering, that. like all right what, what's he gonna hang up in the background it's like woody page on around the horn see, it's all working it's all working <laughs> it's all intentional nice catch there yeah i had my since 57 lions jersey and i also had my lions pride big coffee table book mm-hmm. sitting on there you probably missed that part <laughs> yeah so did you think some of the stuff was like pretty funny though i don't know if you, you saw things floating around twitter like the titans uh mike brabel when he was getting ready to make a pick like in the background you could see a dude dropping a deuce in the bathroom <laughs> uh 
I think it was Jake, Jacob Eason. All of a sudden, there was like video of him coming out from behind, like down the hallway, putting a shirt back on, and his girlfriend came right after. So they were like, "What were they doing back there?" Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, Bill Belichick had his dog making pins. Yeah. Like, did you like you already said? You know, Goodell was maybe a little cheesy. Did you think that stuff was cheesy, or was it kind of you know fun? I thought it was kind of fun. It was like the one that sticks out to me is Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, what a setup he had! It's like it would look like a, something like a iMovie house yeah. or something like all white, and then in the, you know like the tennis court or something right out the doors. So I thought that was pretty cool to see. But yeah, like you said, the my favorite, another favorite was the Bill Belichick how it's like a dog sitting at the screen <laughs> drafting. Right, that's what that's what people were saying. Like, I mean, I'm sure Belichick's house is ridiculously nice, but you know, like the shot that he had was just looked like a nice dining room table. And, you know, in a dining room. But then you got, like you said, Cliff Kingsbury looks like he's in the Wolf of Wall Street or something. And they're like, you've got this coach that has eight Super Bowl rings and this coach who basically hasn't done anything. Like, you, you almost wouldn't tell the difference. Right. Well, overall, I mean, it's just, you know, we were just like kids in a candy shop, the old saying goes. I mean, we actually have some live sports we're talking about. I mean, it had some clever stuff. It was well done. And... The most important thing that we probably should get into is the actual draft and how the Lions did. What do you guys think? Before like we get into the actual picks, okay. I, well, am I the only one that was kind of like it was sort of it's almost like if it, like Bill Belichick was doing it, you wouldn't question it. But because it's Matt Patricia and we question everything he does, the fact that the Lions, you know, the third pick and they're on the clock and they're showing Matt Patricia and it's, it's like him just like goofing around with his kid. Right. Like, I, like, what are you doing? Shouldn't like, you can't be away from the kid for, uh, for four hours. I know that it's cool. Like, it's like, Oh, like, look at, he's on TV. Like, let's get my kid on TV. I love him. But it's just like, get him away for a few hours. Yeah. That's the lion's frustration. And you're only 21, but I agree. I mean, you know, it could be a little irritating, but I, let me just go to the draft then and just talk about the lions real quick on that first choice. Akuda, a very solid choice. You know, I think uh, he'll be, he'll work out well with Detroit. How well would it have been if uh, they would have kept Slay though and had Akuda there and have a couple lockdown cornerbacks? The only complaint I had, and I tweeted it, I really thought the Lions could have worked that third pick a lot better. And even even though they, they said, well, nobody wanted to trade with us or whatever. Listen, you knew Miami and San Diego needed a quarterback. I would have taken Tua. I would have I would have been prepared to take him and groom him to take over for Stafford, or I would have taken him and then traded him to either Miami or San Diego and at least get another another high draft choice along the way. That that was my thought. What about you guys? With the number one? That's, that's kind of where I was at too. I mean the report came out after obviously like you mentioned that there were no trades on the table for the Lions, but it seems like they could have they could have like almost forced something to happen. If you have to yeah. say uh, we're going to draft Tua, right? Don't trade. You know, if you have to do something like that, because that was my thing. Is my whole problem with it's the same with maybe to Jared's point. You don't trust Patricia right now or mm -hmm. Bob Quinn because like last year they took a tight end top ten. So like you're setting these unrealistic expectations. Like if you draft a tight end top ten, he's got to be one of the best in the league. And it's kind of the same with drafting a cornerback at at number three. Okuda, you know, we saw him play with Ohio State. He's legit. He might turn out to be very good. But we had an all-pro corner, yeah. like you mentioned, in Darius Slay. And I know, like, he cost more money and he was maybe a locker room headache. But it's like, so if you're drafting this kid at three, you're expecting him to step in day one and start and perform at the same level or better than what Darius Slay was. And I just, you know, you could have, even if all you did was trade that number three pick and get, like, 
a fifth-round draft pick. If you just did something to get a little more value out of that pick and still got him at seven, eight, nine, or wherever, that it seems like that would have made a little more sense to me. But you know, like when it comes down to it, if the kid can play and he's good, then you know you kind of forget about it. But yeah. like last year, Hawkinson, the tight end, he, he was okay for a couple games, and he got hurt. So that's you know you, you don't know how he's going to be this year, but it, it's just the expectations you're putting on a number three pick at cornerback that makes it a little bit of a head scratcher to me yeah it's kind of hilarious how it's like oh like we need a corner but we need a corner because patricia basically forced uh slay out slay yeah. out so it's kind of funny that we ended up drafting him but i think okuda is going to be good but did we forget like what our defense is we like the worst defense in the league we never rush remember that like how we just never ever rush like send blitz the, pa- the passer so it's like yeah like okuda might be a good corner but when the quarterback has so much time to throw it's like it's really not going to matter and I, and I agree, like, we probably should have traded back, but I, I like Tua. I wish we kind of would have taken Tua and done the whole, like, Matt Stafford one year and then yeah. have Tua take over. But A little juice, you know? But, yeah, sir, it's because it's like, how many years in a row? It, seems like, it feels like it's been ever since we drafted, like, Calvin Johnson, where our first-round pick, it's like, you're kind of mad about it. Every year for yeah. the Lions. And I, like, that's never good. Maybe one of these years we can finally get a guy where it's like, oh, hell yeah, like, we finally got somebody we wanted. Now, apparently, also, when you look at the overall draft and, you know, look at their number two pick, DeAndre Swift of Georgia, and the, most of the experts out there think that they got a steal there. You guys agree? Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of people were saying he, you know, they always say, like, first-round talent, but, you know, he slipped to the second round. And, I mean, yeah, I, I, I know you guys probably watched him, too, a little bit, but I watched most of Georgia's games last year. The, the kid's a stud, and, you know, it's just they – my problem again with it, he might end up being great. And, you know, carry on Johnson and him being the one, two in that backfield sounds awesome. As long as they can stay healthy and everything, but it's just like the lions keep drafting running backs high, even in like late in the first round or second round. And when's the last running back that's worked out really none, you know, basically we haven't had a consistent running back since Barry Sanders. Like we had Reggie Bush for one year, yep. for a thousand yards. And then he ends up, you know, getting hurt or whatever happened and got released. So it's like, they keep it's just like they're cycling in these high draft pick running backs over and over when you've got holes like Jared said on the defensive line on the offensive line you need some pass rush you have all these other uh positions that need to be addressed and it's just like cool another second round running back let's see if this one works out and it's just like when when is like Jared when is one gonna like you draft them and it's just like boom that's a home run all the way you never have it we no. never have that and it's why in yeah, you're talking about like we keep drafting these running backs. The Lions, it didn't matter. Like I, I would have rather had Dobbins, like with who was available at the time. But it's like it really doesn't matter when I th- sit back and think about it. We ruin everyone we draft. <laughs> like we ruin these running backs. You, that's what we, we, I feel like we've taken so many second round running backs over the years, and they all turn out just not being good. Well, right. You go back. You have to almost Javid go back Best. to Barry Sanders. Yeah, Javid Best. That, that's the only thing that worries me about Swift. He's so, he's smallish, right? I mean, he's like five eight, maybe two ten. When you could have taken somebody like you said, Dobbins, who's a stud, or I, my choice was was Taylor out of Wisconsin. I just thought that guy was a stud for three years. And I know I saw some tweets back at me. Oh, he's probably wore out. I'm thinking three years of college football? You kidding me? Yeah. That's one. Of, that, that's a kind of one of those like woke takes. Like running back Le'Veon Bell. Remember Le'Veon Bell? How right. he was basically either was catching the ball every single time at Michigan State that final year. He had like probably 300 touches that year. Yeah. And he had a pretty damn good career, didn't I'd he? I'd say so, yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing nowadays. I mean, I, I was one that replied to you that that's the, maybe the one worry with Taylor. Is, I mean, basically since he was a freshman, he was getting every carry at Wisconsin. But, and, but that's like to that point, 
the what's the window now with running backs in the NFL? Like, I mean, if you have if you get a good what three to five years out of a running back, that's almost like you you won. So if you could get Taylor to step in and he could be a starter from day one, you get a good three four years out of him. Not a bad deal, and especially you already got Carryon Johnson, right? So you know you're not going to be having like an every down back. So I don't know. I I just you know maybe it's maybe it's the pessimism of being <laughs> a Lions fan, but. You know, on paper, yeah, it, it's all this stuff that looks pretty good on paper. Cool, maybe you have a lockdown corner. Cool, maybe you have a, a solid number two running back. But I was glad to see them draft with their third pick, the offensive lineman um, from Ohio State, because he's got, you know, he's got some potential, and they needed to address the offensive line. And then they got the offensive lineman out of Kentucky, too, who's supposed to be really good. Both those guys are supposed to be good run blockers. So, in theory, you know, hopefully it works out. And we did talk about getting a pass rush defensively. Is this guy from Notre Dame, is he the real deal? From everything I've heard, it's like this guy, like a lot of the draft experts don't really understand why he didn't get more hype. Uh-huh. I mean, it's kind of hard for me to look past the fact that Michigan basically did whatever they wanted against Notre Dame's defense uh, in the rain and, you know, obviously as we saw. So it's kind of like, how good is this guy? But I don't know. He It seems I like the pick. I, I really wish we could have found a way to get Isaiah Simmons uh, somewhere in the draft. I don't know if that's trading back like Matt suggested, but I don't know. I, I heard it's going to be really good. And as for, like, the guards, I we none of us – you don't really know. I mean, time will tell. Right. I'm glad that we took two of them because hopefully just one of them will pan we'll out, stick, but we'll see. Yeah. If you're taking two guards, hopefully one of them works. You know, you're almost like, cool, we got two. If one of them's good, that's a win. <laughs> so, But right, like, like you said, Jared, no one really knows, even the experts. It's all just a crapshoot. I've actually seen a lot of people, like a lot of Lions fans, love this, uh, our like fifth-round pick, where it's like um, Quintez like, uh, Cephas from Wisconsin, the, the wide receiver. Whenever a Wisconsin like skill athlete is taken, I'm always, like especially wide receiver, because you see it whenever they play like an Ohio State or something, it just seems like they're so much slower and so much less, less athletic that I'm not as like high on that pick. But it seems like a lot of people are. They think that that's a really good pick. Like I'm looking here at Pro, Pro Football Focus, they have it as like an A A plus pick, and I just I don't I don't know enough about the guy. Well, talent wise, I guess he's he's really good, but this, I don't know what in his background because I saw somebody posted something about he has he comes with some baggage. I don't, I'm not sure. Did he get in trouble on campus or something there? Do you know? Yeah, I'm not sure, but yeah, I, I get what Jared's saying. Like, when's the last time a Wisconsin wide receiver has turned out to be like a legitimate stud in the NFL? Right. But, I mean, if he's coming in, you know, you've got Marvin Jones, Galladay, and even the Lions re-signed Amendola, so he's not expected to be coming in and being like the number one target. So I, maybe that that helps, but you know, I, it's just maybe, like I said, maybe it's because we've seen so many Lions draft picks just swing and miss. It's hard to be super excited about a draft, but maybe it's also partly because we haven't seen live sports in so long. You know, this just like teased us, so like it, it gets you excited. For this the is NFL, the one good day to be a Lions, and <laughs> like I said, even though it, we never really leave it super happy, it's it's right. like there's so much hope. We'll see. Uh, but as for like uh, Cephas, basically he was uh, accused of uh, sexual assault, like with two women, oh, uh, while he was at Wisconsin. So. Yeah, keep that in mind. Okay. That's who you're rooting for now. That's it. That's it. Um, overall, you know, most of the experts out there say the Lions did pretty well in the draft, anywhere from uh, maybe A- minus to a B plus. You guys, if you're going to give it a grade, you think it was pretty solid, at least on paper? The, pretty much with any other Lions draft, I just, it's meh. Like, it's a B. I just, I'll give it a B. <laughs> just give it, a, yeah, just give it a solid B. I mean. <laughs> Passing so they grade. Got a, they got, like, people are saying that Okuda 
is the highest graded corner in like 20 years or something like that. So again, like to the experts and on paper, this kid's going to be a stud, but I mean, we've watched the lions. Ted, you've watched them for a hundred years. And too damn much. Yep. Never worked out. We had Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson and that didn't work out. So it's like, when is like, when are two or three of these picks along with the guys there, Stafford and carry on Johnson going to like finally be the formula to like make it actually work. Because the other side of this too, is we've talked about it a lot. Do, do we really trust, trust Patricia to put it all together? I don't think no. any of us do. No. <laughs> that's so, That's why it's like it's kind of funny. Like Even when I'm watching it, you just keep thinking about that. Like, oh, whoever we draft, Matt Patricia's going to either make him hate the Lions, and then as soon as he leaves, like shit on everything about Detroit, like we right. saw with Snacks and basically Darius Slay do, or basically he's going to be okay. And then Mat- Patricia's going to keep his job and then ruin other guys. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we'll see. But I, I guess one of the other storylines, unless you guys have other line stuff, but one of the other storylines that was huge, especially for us as, as Michigan football fans, were uh, Michigan having 10 guys getting drafted. And the only other team, the only team that had more than that was LSU with 14. Ohio State also had 10 guys get drafted. But what did you guys think about that? Like, obviously, a lot of the narrative was the, the Michigan has 10 guys getting drafted. How do they only win nine games? And, you know, those kind of things. It, like, can Harbaugh actually coach? He's developing the, these guys into NFL players, but he's not winning those big games. You guys even like think about that at all, or is it just like cool? Ten guys from Michigan got drafted. Well, it's funny how like Ohio State. That's how we always compare ourselves. The first three picks, as they they mentioned, like it's like they all at one point were at Ohio State. Um, but as for like Michigan, like I remember when Caesar Ruiz was drafted in the first round, I was like shocked. Like I didn't even know, remember. Like wasn't it just like last year when we were playing Notre Dame, Braylon Edwards? Blair, Braylon Edwards is basically saying this is like the worst, the worst lineman we've ever seen, and <laughs> right. now he's like a first round pick. Like I just, it's funny how that happened. Like with these linemen, like I would have never known we had a first round lineman on our offensive line. Right. Well, I think the takeaway also is you're talking about the 10, 10 draft choices, and you know why did Michigan only win nine games? What blew my mind away on social media was, correct me if I'm wrong, did I see it correctly that that actually Josh Gaddis res, res, uh, responded to a kind of a negative tweet? Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. Well, a former Three Point Podcast guest, uh, Ant Wright, yeah, tweeted out, yeah, because four four offensive linemen got drafted from Michigan, so four of the five starters. And the only reason the fifth starter didn't get drafted is because he's coming back to Michigan, and he's going to be a, a first round pick next year. So, like, the offensive line was legit. Four guys got drafted. That's, I mean, that's impressive. And so, Ant Wright tweeted out. He just said something along the lines of. Four offensive linemen from Michigan got drafted. How was the run game not more effective? <laughs> and then, yeah, the offensive coordinator, Gaddis, replied, you know, basically saying, you know, it's not on them. Sure, did we miss some blocks or some, some assignments here and there, but put all the, the focus on me as the offensive coordinator. So, right. I mean, I don't know. We, we know. We watched Michigan all last year. We know those first, what, four or five games, it seemed like they were, like, just trying to figure out what the hell Josh Gaddis's offense was. But, you know, when you see a four offensive linemen get drafted – wherever it was, even if it was in the fourth or fifth round. That doesn't matter. They got drafted. It does kind of make you think, like, man, we should have been, like, dominating that offensive line. I mean, the only game that I think of that we actually did do that was, like, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, yeah. But it's like we have no good running back, really. We were always trying to find a running back the entire year, and I think it all kind of comes back to Shea Patterson. Yeah, and he he was a little inconsistent. Inconsistent, and when you can't really throw the ball at all, I mean, that's when people are going to load the box against you. I don't know if you guys saw, like, I I did tweet out that I don't, you know, when when someone gets ratioed on on Twitter, mm-hmm. Ted, do you know what that phrase means? 
go ahead and explain it to our listeners that might not know. <laughs> hot take. If you throw out a hot take or you reply to something, yep, and you get more like backlash than you do likes or retweets. All right. Basically, like you throw out a bad take or something, you know, you're getting ratioed. But I, I kind of did because Scott Bell. I know you guys know who he is on, on Twitter. You know, mm-hmm. he's got a big following. Yep. I follow him. I, I like mostly. He's you know he's a witty guy. Sends out some good tweets or whatever, but. He, he tweeted out something along the lines of, like, saying to, to this point about Michigan having so many draft picks, he, you know, he was kind of mocking some of the, the people saying, like, how did Harbaugh not win more games with 10 draft picks on his team? And he said, like, look at this schedule. And he listed the teams they lost to, all very good teams that they lost to. said, like, what should the expectations have been? And, I, I mean, I remember at the beginning of the year, he said, Scott Bell himself said that he expected 11 wins. So that's kind of funny. But I, all I said was, you know, yes, that, you know, that's a fair point, but at some point you have to win the big games, speaking of Ohio State, yeah. or against Alabama in the bowl game, those big games that are going to get you to the Big Ten Championship and, you know, hopefully to a college playoff berth or whatever, and people were just, like, blowing me up on Twitter, like, to the point where I'm like, my God, is this where we're at as Michigan fans? Like, a win over Notre Dame, a win over Iowa is good enough? Like, are we not even expecting to beat Ohio State now? I mean, cool, you got 10 draft picks, but you got to win those big games, right? Yeah, well, I couldn't agree more. So that's what it's called, ratioed, huh? Yeah, like, like, I know Jared knows what I'm talking about. Like, if you throw something out trying to, you know, just reply and say you get, like, a million retweets, well, that's a good ratio. But Ah. that reply I did... I had a bad ratio. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I usually have bad ones. Then I know uh, Jared's brother, he's always saying I get body bagged, so it happens. <laughs> it definitely happens. Uh, yeah, I, when you get ratio, that's never a good feeling, and, and <laughs> you just know that. It, but I do, like, it's. I'm sick of hearing about the Michigan, oh, the draft picks. The it, it, If they can beat the teams, like, we see it, Wisconsin. And here we are, NFL draft year, we somehow just bring it all the way back to how depressing the Michigan football season was. Just if you lose to everybody but Ohio State, I can accept that. Like if you lose to Ohio State, as you can see, like they're just so damn talented and well coached and yeah. everything. Like I can accept that. But when you're losing to Wisconsin and teams like that, like that's where I draw a line. Yeah. Well, could be on the other side of the coin. Uh, Michigan State, you know, they're starting fresh with a new coach. What they had, what they have two two draft uh, two players were drafted. Two players were drafted, and I mean, you know, they they had a couple other guys that maybe were like Kenny Willickis. Um, got drafted a little later Late, than yep. expected, so you know who knows what happened there. But, but yeah, I guess you could be in a worse spot. And I guess like to that point, I saw a number um, since 2017, only LSU, Ohio State, and Alabama have had more draft picks than Michigan. So it's just like wow, it's just one of those things. I mean, the talent is there. Maybe like like you were saying, Jared. Maybe like the top end talent. You know, like Ohio State had the top three picks at one point were at Ohio State. So maybe Michigan's, like, top-end talent isn't mm-hmm. there. But, like, the overall talent is there. Really the biggest hurdle is just getting over Ohio State, which is kind of like this kind of a tall task right now. Like, Ohio yeah. State is they're a juggernaut, right? <laughs> yeah. Is it is what, what would you say the ratio, we'll use that word again, is talent compared to mental to get past I, Ohio I, State? Personally, I, I think I, I would almost say, like, 80% of it is mental. I mean, like – you know, people are going to take their shots at Harbaugh and say he can't coach. I think, you know, if he Nick Saban, you know, maybe not, but, like, he's still a very good coach. He obviously knows football very well. I, I think a lot of it is mental because we've seen those games. They'll get out. They'll maybe throw the first punch. But then when, when they get counterpunched and Ohio State, like, comes back, they just, like, roll over almost. Yep. And I think it'll, I'd say the vast majority of it is mental. 
Yeah. Hey, before we get to our special guest on the on the podcast here, um, any other takes in the NFL you want to throw on the table at all? I know Jalen Hurts to Philadelphia at around fifty three. Yeah. That that was a pretty interesting so choice. I talked to one of my good friends, is a like the biggest Eagles fan maybe in the entire world. Like I I Facetime and he's wearing like a <laughs> Nerf football like Eagles helmet. Like during the, he's a kind of a goofball, but he almost had like tears in his eyes at the <laughs> fact that they took Jalen Hurts. I mean, talk about coming from completely left field. And drafted him similar with like the Jordan Love pick, where he's gonna be like Aaron Rodgers' successor. I thought it was kind of funny. There's a lot of people saying like, "Oh, Aaron Rodgers really like pissed about this. They didn't let him know." I just thought it was sort of hypocritical of him to be mad because, as we saw, it's like that's basically exactly what he did to Brett Favre. Right, right. I'm intrigued about the Hurts choice. By the way, you know they got a solid starter there, but if you put Hurts in the Wildcat, maybe you run some special plays for him. He can get some playing time here early on, and who knows what'll happen down the road. He's a winner, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things, too. Like, you know, Wentz is definitely the starter, and he's one of the best QBs in the league, but you can't ignore the fact that he keeps getting hurt, right? Right. Like, you can't keep calling Josh McCown off from the couch in his <laughs> high school football coaching days and expect him to come in. So, at some point, it's kind of like with Stafford. I mean, at some point, you have to address the backup quarterback. So, we, we signed Chase Daniel. I guess that's okay. But mm. I'm not sold on this Jordan Love guy. I think it's kind of refreshing as Lions fans to say, like, oh, there is like a light at the end of the tunnel of this Aaron Rodgers, basically dynasties head over the NFC North uh, ever since he came in. Another pick that I kind of liked was uh, Justin Jefferson to the Vikings, and it, obviously that's another divisional team that the Lions have to go against. But, I mean, dude, it's kind of weird to me. Like, when you just watch college football, you see guys like Thaddeus Moss, like he didn't even get drafted, tight end for LSU. You're like, wow, me. he seemed awesome. Right. Same thing with Justin Jefferson. It's like, this guy seems like head and shoulders better than everybody else like four receiving touchdowns in one half uh in the in the uh college football playoff like it's stuff like that that gets like lost in translation with the combine and like how they're like, going to translate to the nfl but if i was like 10 years old my totally favorite pick of the entire draft was cd lamb to the cowboys i mean if i was 10 years old i'd definitely be buying that jersey like right now <laughs> it should be a fun team to watch and you know yeah you, you always wonder about those guys like even like donovan people's jones flipped a lot farther than what a lot of people were expecting so you always wonder like why why are these like why did Thaddeus Moss flip why did people's Jones flip you know was it the interview process or you know are people just not high on their game tape but hey, who knows yeah it makes you wonder there's a lot of different reasons could be involved for sure well, it was good to see the draft. You guys got any final comments on uh, the NFL draft? Where did I guess we should have maybe talked about this right off the rip? But it, where does the NFL draft, like as a TV viewing event, you know, this year obviously a little bit of an exception with nothing else on. Is it kind of appointment television where you have to watch like watch it? I have friends who literally watch it from Thursday through Saturday. I have friends who watch the first two days. Personally, I just watch the first round. Uh, same here. Like, I I watch the entire first round. I think it's awesome. It's one of my favorite TV yep. events like of the year. I'm the same way. I watch the first round, the whole thing, and then I'll check in periodically on the second and third mm-hmm. days. But uh, you know, basically, I can get what I need to know really on the on the scroll at the bottom of the screen yeah. just to see who went where. Yeah, I was gonna say as far as appointment television, maybe that's something that social media has changed because. If you, if you miss some picks, you can just hop on Twitter and see everything you need to see. But right. I don't know what it is. It, maybe we're just obsessed with football. But like, are we really that excited about like just guys getting picked to go to a team? <laughs> yeah, the NFL draft. It is. It is like must see TV. It's great. 
Yeah, and just think if it comes back and, and they do go to Vegas, how cool would that be? What did you think of, uh, one last thing maybe, what did you think of Henry Ruggs's? and that's another team I'm loving, the Oakland Raiders, like John Gruden, his whole setup that he had oh, with yeah. his son, like Deuce Gruden, I'm pretty sure he's like five feet tall, Pretty sweet. but he's, he's ripped. But uh, I loved how they added Ruggs, and how about, yeah, I just remember this, they claimed that Henry Ruggs's mom was clocked at a 4-2-3-40. Did anyone catch that, <laughs> like how that. preposterous yeah. that was? <laughs> It's like, good God, I mean, Lions better sign her. So maybe that's where he got it from. I mean, four two, she's faster than him. <laughs> faster than faster anybody. like a player in the NFL. Like it's just a, it's <laughs> stupid that, that that was even set. It's kind of funny. Like Trey Trey Ingle kind of said it jokingly, but it's like the fact that they even put that out there is a joke. That's funny. Well, let's hope we have some NFL football this year. That's all I could say. You know, we're still surviving this quarantine, but uh, it was it was really pleasant to get something to watch other than the regular old stuff we've been doing for the last five weeks. Well, we'll wrap up, or we'll get our special guest coming up next. Before we do, just want to tell you about the CoronaConnection.com. They know it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at CoronaConnection.com. And Advanced Elevator Company features top expert field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators. An area business leader and longtime huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools and a proud partner of Three Point Podcast. All right, next on the podcast, we got uh, one of our great business partners, Matt Pilliad of Rivals Tap House and Grill. And Matt, uh, we wanted to check in with a couple different uh, area businesses to see how this whole COVID-19 you know, quarantine thing has affected uh, business. I know you guys are open. You know, you have some great specials on takeout, but uh, kind of set the stage for our listeners, you know, when this all came down and how management got together and put together a plan. I mean, obviously, us being a sports bar, it was about the worst possible timing with March Madness ready to tip off. And March has always been a super great month for us, especially the better our local teams do, the better we do. Um, and so we obviously had to transfer quickly between expecting to be super busy and then adjusting to then not be super slow, but obviously we're we're not doing the volume that we normally would with the guy in and all our beer and wine and liquor sales. But we're very uh, very happy with the amount of support we've received locally. Um, we're, we're definitely uh, doing a lot more business than we thought we would. And, I mean, Friday nights we're actually doing almost as much food as normal. I mean, it's it's actually kind of fun and, and different to see. I mean, we still get a full ticket board with tickets hanging out of the printer. And, I mean, the, the amount of support we've received has been fantastic. Well, you mentioned, you know, this whole thing started at the worst possible time with March Madness and, you know, NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs and everything else. And on top of that, locally, Corona was hosting a basketball district that would have brought in some some seats or some some butts into your seats, if you will. But it's good to see your it's good to see that uh, you're open, and I think our community really is uh, is showing how we support businesses like Rivals. I know we try to do our part, spreading the word on some of your specials, and maybe tell our listeners, you know, some of the things they can look forward to on the menu. I mean, Sunday is definitely one of our fun special days. Uh, we have dollar sliders, two dollar basket of fries, and five dollar apps all day long. Um, we have been adding some fun sliders when we can. I know a couple weekends ago we did a brisket one, and last weekend we did a uh, deep-fried pork chop one. Um, mm. So obviously we're, we're trying to use our brains and do, do some different things just to keep bringing people into the place and keeping people excited and having some of those options that you can't necessarily do at your own house. I saw that you had, like, a, on 420, you had, like, a CBD burger uh, available <laughs> to purchase. How yeah, was that yeah, kind of made, and how did that turn out? Go along with, with the way the world's 
trending. Um, we actually did that last year, and uh, I believe we sold like 65 of them, and it was <laughs> on a Saturday. And uh, that following Monday, the health department actually had left us a message because somebody thought we were actually putting CBD <laughs> the burger, which obviously we're not. It's just a uh, Canadian uh, a bacon and cheddar cheese and dill pickle to, to get the CBD. <laughs> Okay, that makes that makes. I'm not gonna lie. I kind of thought that there actually was CBD in it. But my mistake. <laughs> oh, I'm sure some of the people that celebrated 420 popped on in for some food for sure. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so to put a, a little bit of a positive spin on this whole situation, it's hard to. But you said business has actually been pretty good. Have you guys found anything? Like I know you're offering delivery now. I've had some some friends and family members have gotten food delivered from you guys. Have you found a couple things that maybe? From this whole situation, you're actually going to continue once things open back up. Um, I don't. A lot of the weird things we've done, I don't know how well they would go long term. Like we did uh, some packaged meat to go, which definitely helped us with revenue, and that was a lot of that was because of the price we were getting it for. We could offer it cheaper than you know Meyer and Walmart and a lot of those places. And also, the biggest problem with them is they didn't have enough on the shelves, so. That was a good way for us to bring in some extra revenue was do packaged meats like that. And then uh, two weekends ago, we actually did Chinese food special. Um, I, I've managed a Panda Express in my past, so I'm pretty familiar with how to produce a lot of fried rice and general salads or orange chicken-type mm-hmm. dishes. And uh, we actually ended up selling out a couple nights in a row last weekend. But uh, now Fortune House has opened back up, so we'll, we'll leave that part to the pros. So on a weekly weekly. Uh menu i mean do you have special days that feature special products oh yeah yeah um monday is mexican monday dollar off all uh burritos tacos um stuff like that normally when we're open money off on uh beers and margaritas uh tuesday is wing day which uh continues to be a pretty huge day for us we're only open from four to eight on tuesdays but we're selling a ton of wings in that time span um it's 50 cent boneless and 70 cent traditional wings on tuesday uh, Wednesday, we got a dollar off wraps. Thursday, we do jumbo wings. And uh, Friday is fish fry Friday. What, what's something that somebody who's not in the restaurant business wouldn't understand that has been, like, super difficult to do, like, since you've got, since everyone's gone to quarantine? Like, I don't know if it's something with the CDC, CDC or some sort of sanitizing measure that you have to do that I wouldn't think of. I mean, really, for restaurants, this has been probably the easiest transformation. I mean, mm-hmm. we've... We've always prided ourselves on how clean our restaurant is and, you know, the amount of sanitizer we use and, all, you know, the amount of gloves we go through. Um, I'd say really the only difference where it made for us would be now we have uh, the girls who are handing off the food or are now wearing gloves. Mm-hmm. And um, starting tomorrow we'll be wearing masks to follow all the, the guidelines that the governor and CDC are recommending. And uh, but yeah, I mean, from a cleanliness standpoint, it hasn't really changed much because we, we're always on top of cleaning and sanitizing everything. So it really wasn't that much of a change other mm-hmm. than really the, the extra gloves for the girls in the front and making sure that a lot of the things we've always done in the back are now following up to the front as well. I have one final question here, Matt. Uh, uh, as we've encouraged to our listeners and on our social media pages, you know, support our local businesses like Rivals. And uh, uh, what goes along with that is, you know, tip um, tip the, the staff there when you pick up something, just like you would if you were sitting in the restaurant or even more to help, help the, the serve staff. Now, what have you done as management as far as you rotate the different workers in there so they can get 
some hours? How, how's that work out? Yeah, we that was actually one of the toughest things we had to do when this first started. I mean, you kind of look at how many hours we're going to be open for operations and how many employees was it going to take. So we did unfortunately lay off about two-thirds of our uh, staff when this had all happened. And uh, then with the ones that we've kept, yeah, we've just been kind of rotating hours. They all kind of get about the same amount front and front of the house and back of the house. Mm-hmm. It's about split even. And uh we're hoping it's uh, only about two more weeks, three more weeks, and we can finally start to get some normalcy back. Sounds really good. Well, I know uh, we broke you away from your golf game, Matt. I hope you can hit them straight and hit them long, and don't forget you got to drop those putts. <laughs> exactly. I'm just happy to be out. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. All right, enjoy it. And, again, thanks for all your support here on Three Point Podcast, and we look forward to coming on in and watching some sporting events here, hopefully in the near future. Yes, we appreciate it, guys. All right, so next up on the podcast is John Moore. He's a fellow Corona Cavalier alum like the rest of us, and we wanted to talk to some local businesses. We talked to Matt from Rivals Tap House and Grill, so we wanted to talk to some local businesses about how this pandemic has affected things, you know, good or bad. You can put a positive spin on this a little bit. So John is co-owner of Foster Coffee. They have a location in Owasso and a couple other locations around the mid-Michigan area. And um, they have a really cool story and a really cool service that they're they're providing for people in the area. So, John, first of all, thanks for coming on with us. But for people who don't know Foster Coffee, give us a quick rundown of kind of how you and Nick started it and kind of how you've grown over the last few years. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, the, the summed up version of me and Nick's relationship uh, intertwines with Foster. Uh, we went to Corona together. We uh, were in a band together. We did a lot of traveling, um, and that's where... Uh, cut his teeth on his business chops. Um, he's going to, to school for some um, for some uh, architecture things at first. Then he kind of shifted over to the business side of things. Um, while touring in the band, I uh, became really passionate about coffee. It became a, hab- a hobby at first, and then it kind of turned into a passion. I was carrying a bunch of coffee equipment with me when we were on the road touring, um, making uh, coffee. And um, this is really integral to the story of Foster because part of it was we were traveling around to all these cities, uh, Chicago, Austin, Atlanta, et cetera, Nashville, you know, and uh, saw all these really great coffee shops uh, kind of become intertwined with the community. And uh, when we came back home, um, kind of asked ourselves, like, you know, we had some good shops in uh, Grand Rapids and Detroit areas and uh, in Lansing, but uh, why not something uh, like that? I couldn't survive in Owasso. So we um, got our uh, plan together um, to open a brick-and-mortar store. We started in the farmer's market downtown Owasso, which I, I love telling that part of the story. I'm a huge fan of the farmer's market. Um, we opened up uh, just pour-overs where we pour the uh, hot water over the coffee uh, per cup, um, and we had lines every Saturday. One thing led to another, um, and we uh, opened up our first location in Owasso in December 2015. Well, it's a great awesome. great success story to start with, going from farmer's market to, like you say, brick and mortar. And how do you like your location right there on Washington? We love it. Uh, I grew up in uh, Owasso, Corona area, so, um, you know, it's always been a part of my life. And, again, traveling um, for some people is, a, is kind of solidifies their thought of, like, leaving where they're from. But for me, it actually did the opposite. I saw a lot of these great cities and great towns, and I was like, you know what? I really like where I'm from, so... Um, decided to kind of uh, put our roots in where we're from. Um, and uh, our, our 
vision statement, uh, mission statement, or is fostering community through coffee. That's something we learned uh, being in the band. Like we love the music side of things, but the most important part to us is and always was like people, like the people and the relationships um, that were formed uh, during our time in the band. So we knew that coffee was going to be obviously the central part of um, the business side of things, um, but it was going to be a vehicle for something bigger than that. And uh, for us, it's the relationships, the community that we built. And that started right there, downtown Owasso. So I'm 21 years old, and it seems like a lot of girls and kids my age, whenever they go to Foster's Coffee, they always take, like, a, a Instagram or a Snapchat, like, of their coffee. Like, is that something you think about? Like, oh, we got to make this presentable for, I don't know, photos or something like that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes. Uh, if, if you're referring to, like, specifically, like, latte art, mm-hmm. um, one thing I always tell my briefs is, like, latte art's cool. Um, it looks good. It's obviously the presentation's great. Like, who doesn't love going out to a restaurant and getting a, a you know plate of food that's really well presented? Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, it's like that similar vein. It looks great. But on the technical side of things, you can't really pour latte art if you don't steam your milk and prepare it um, uh, correctly. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's actually uh, another sign saying to the customer, like, hey, I prepared this uh, drink well for you. Oh, okay. You're getting my wheel spinning a little bit, John, <laughs> because for my first two years in college, uh, at Grand Valley State, where Jared's going, I was a barista on campus, and I I did learn they they trained us very minimally, but I did learn through like practice latte art, and yeah, students they would appreciate it when I put a little effort into their coffee. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Absolutely. Um, so we wanted to ask you. So obviously, you guys have an awesome story. Things are going really well, but I mean, it's it's no secret that this pandemic has hit some local businesses, some some in a good way, and some maybe not in a bad way. How? I mean, how has this affected Foster Coffee, uh, at least initially? Yeah, so um, at first we didn't know, you know, we were, we were like in a lot of people in a similar boat of trying to figure out what, uh, you know, what exactly we had to do from a business side of things. Um, so we, um, you know, just, just kept our ear uh, close to what, what the news was that's going on. Um, then when the stay-at-home order was set into place and some of the more drastic things um, happened, uh, we learned that we... Uh, needed to reduce our staff at first because um, our sales started to plummet. And then um, we had uh, two other locations in Flint and Lansing, like you had mentioned earlier. Um, so with some of the students being told um, they didn't go, shouldn't go to school and some of them moving home and then the faculty essentially working from home, um, we just it wasn't sustainable for our Flint and Lansing locations to keep the stores open. Um, so we had to unfortunately temporarily shut those down. Uh, so uh, the sad part about that is we had to put our staff on a temporary leave. Um, part of that was to, we were kind of, again, playing it by ear to figure out how we handle this whole situation, what's best for them, and uh, that was going to enable them to um, get some benefits. So uh, we kept the Owasso shop open, and uh, it was just Nick and I running it. Fortunately, um, I guess shifting over from the negative side of uh, having to temporarily close those two locations and having the Owasso shop be ran just by myself and Nicholas. Um, the silver lining has been the support has been incredible from our, our uh, community um, out from all three locations. We've had people order a coffee online, so our um, online shipping has um, just uh, skyrocketed, which has been incredible. So even people from around the nation um, that we have connections with have started ordering more coffee since they're at home. Um, Again, trying to focus on these silver linings. Uh, the uh, we Nick and I have never done like a mobile ordering with like curbside anything like that. This kind of forced our hand to do that. That's been incredibly successful. 
I've had a lot of moms with like kids, you know, where they don't want to get the kids out of the car or they don't feel safe coming in. Um, just tell us how much they appreciate us offering that service. Um, and then this last week, we just offered to do like a, um, a gro- we're calling it a grocery item. It's, it's half a gallon um, of like prepared coffee. So you can do any of our cold beverages pretty much in that half gallon. Um, you order it and you pick it up a couple days later. Uh, our first week, we, uh, in- incredible um, reaction from our customers in our community. Uh, we sold uh, over 125 of those in our first week. So, yes, of course, like everybody, we're, we're struggling in a lot of ways with, with um, not being able to do what we think is our bread and butter, which is um, have relationships in person in our cafe. But the silver lining has been um, the support that we've gotten from our community and the innovations that um, we've kind of been forced to make that we've, we've found are really, really great for us and great for our community. I got one final question from me here, uh, John. Uh, I know you love all your flavors, just like children. But is there a top? Is there a top coffee you would recommend of just a casual coffee drinker? Ooh, uh, that's a great question. Um, I guess I'll answer that by saying, like, the story of my personal coffee journey. When I was in high school, I went with my sister to the Genesee Valley Mall and went to the coffee beanery and tried a sip of her coffee and said I hated it. Um, but she said, okay, we'll try this. And she got me a white chocolate mocha with extra white chocolate. So it just pretty much was like a insanely sweet drink with a little bit of coffee taste. Yeah. Uh, and that, So the white chocolate mocha has a close spot in my heart because that's what the entire coffee journey. Um, but, yeah, my daily drinkers, though, are, are black coffee and cappuccino. It's a traditional cappuccino, like a little six-ounce um, cappuccino with has two shots of espresso and a little bit of steamed milk. Those are my daily drinkers, though. That sounds a lot like what happened to me when I started as a barista. I was trying out a little coffee and just couldn't couldn't acquire that taste. So what, what got me into it was the caramel macchiato, which there you is go. basically a, a ton of caramel <laughs> and a lot of sugar. And I, I eat coffee mostly black now, try and stay away from the sugar a little bit. But I wanted to ask you just maybe before we let you uh, get back to your dinner, you're smoking some meat you were talking about off air. Yeah. I love hearing the silver linings because there's obviously a lot – there is a lot of bad with that, that has come from this pandemic, but hearing you talk about the silver linings is almost, it's, it's inspiring, really. What have you guys found? Have you found anything, like the grocery items or the curbside pickup, anything that you're going to continue going forward once things get back to as normal as they can be? Absolutely. Um, the things that we've already implemented, like the curbside, the online mobile ordering, um, the grocery items, like the half gallons, Yes, we're going to stick with those afterwards. Like, the support and the reaction we've got um, so far has cemented that. Like, we're for sure going to continue it. And if anything, it's, like, sparked another flame for us to realize, okay, what else aren't we doing or haven't we tried out that we can do? Um, And I'll just say, like, everyone's in a different situation. You know, there's some companies that fortunately have the the budget and the funds to, like, either pay their employees while they're gone. Some companies are, you know, closing their doors permanently. So the range of, the, of what um, companies are able to do is really wide. And uh, so I just, my, I don't know, I'm just, my heart goes out to all the, the businesses that are having to make these tough calls. Um, we're excited because even though it's putting us um, in a worse spot um, than before, um, again, those silver linings are that we're having to be innovative. We're having to discover new ways and new ideas, which is, as, as much as it's terrifying, it's also really exciting. John Moore from Foster's Coffee. Before we let you go to that uh, cookout, uh, tell us your uh, current hours. Yeah, so right now we're doing Monday through Saturday, 8 to 3. Um, and uh, you can order online if you want to do curbside. Otherwise, you can come in, uh, order your 
stuff, and you can uh, take it for carryout. Outstanding. Well, we appreciate the time. Uh, as we say to all our listeners, man, support the local businesses. They really need your help, and uh, sounds like you guys got it going over there. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for having me on. All right, uh, really good to hear from a couple of our local business owners, and uh, definitely, like we say, give them support. And speaking of that, step up and help one of our great partners. We talked to Matt. Stop into Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. They're open for food and beer takeout, including a wide variety of craft brews and growlers. They are there for us. Be there for them. Rivals Tap House and Grill in Corona. And also, everybody likes a great deal, right? Well, go online at SheridanAuctionService.com for info on upcoming auctions. The auction house is packed with all kinds of great items. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com. Sign up for email notifications or give Troy Crow a call, 989-720-SELL for other details. And by the way, check it out online. They got some great, great deals going on right now for home flooring. So while you're stuck at home in quarantine, check it out. You can do some handyman specials and get that house all ready to go. All right, guys. So maybe before we get out of here, the the big television, other than the NFL draft, the other big thing that we watched on ESPN last weekend was the last dance. And I know we sent a video out. We were all pretty big fans, but this weekend or tonight, actually we're recording on Sunday, the bad boys are going to get a little bit of uh, a publicity. What do we think about, what are they going to talk about with the bad boys? What do you guys think? Well, I think it's kind of hilarious how Michael Jordan still just hates Isaiah. Isaiah Thomas, hates like, him too. So, it's like, so it's freaking the same. much. <laughs> the, as for like, we never, like we did our thoughts on, on a video. So check that out on Twitter. If you haven't yet, like of our initial reactions of the first two episodes, I loved it. What do we think about how they're – I kind of think it's cool, but I also – just kind of my dumb brain and how I like to kind of eat things, I guess, in a, in a sense. I wish that it was kind of all just like in the same timeline, where as right now they're, they are going back and forth between, you know, the 97, 98, like that footage, and going back to like the Bulls dynasty, like how it started, Michael Jordan's college days. Do you guys like how they're doing that? My personal opinion, I do. I kind of like the way they blended it back and forth together. I, I had no issue with it at all. If I had to grade the first two episodes, that's a solid uh, three thumbs up for the three-point podcast scale. I liked it. I thought it was well done. Yeah, I think it was cool. It made it a little more like cinematic, you know, mm-hmm. instead of like going chronologically from the time he was a kid through UNC and then, you know, up the ladder. But um, I mean, you knew it was going to be good just because of the footage that they were able to have. So I, I'm really curious to see these these bad boys episodes and see, like you guys mentioned already, the hatred. Because, you know, we've heard about it a lot. We've heard a ton about it. But if they have any behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, at practice or in the locker room or anything like that, or see him, see Jordan talk about Isaiah Thomas and Bill Lambier, mm. I, I think it's going to be uh, really interesting. Well, that'll be epic if they do, and I, I would anticipate they will. I mean, yeah, I wonder if they're going to have anyone from the Pistons interviewed, and if so, who? Like, it's kind of like I doubt MJ would allow Isaiah to get interviewed, or maybe even Bill Lambier as well. Uh, hmm. I think I, in the previews that the, they showed Isaiah. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So that's cool. That's good to know that it's they're not really going to be holding back. They're going to kind of talk about what it was. I don't like how they're kind of saying like, oh, like the Dennis Rodman episode. Like, I, know, I just, I just want to hear about Michael Jordan. Like, my two biggest things from 
that, that was first two episodes was like, wow, like college age, Michael Jordan and like early years in the NBA, like he's probably the coolest like basketball player of all time before he was bald, before he won all the titles, when he was wearing the chain and he had the like buzz cut and he had all swag and the new shoes. Like, I think he's one of the coolest people out there. Uh, but how about like Jerry Krause? Like I didn't, as somebody oh who had no idea who the hell this guy was until he popped up on my screen, he literally like, as somebody who was short, and I'm obviously, like I said this in the video, like not in the best of shape. Like it's it's pretty reassuring to see somebody like him, like kind of bossing around the Bulls. I think that's kind of hilarious how he was technically their boss, even though he's like kind of seemed like a dweeb. That was the big takeaway of the first two episodes was Kraus. I yeah. mean, I, I forgot what a dick he was, you know, but he did put together a hell of a team. Yeah. Well, I mean, he'd, yeah, like they like they mentioned, maybe a little bit of the like little man syndrome going on. Right. He wasn't getting enough attention and stuff like that, but. It's crazy to think that I I don't know if that kind of thing would happen nowadays. You know, like if I think I kind of said it in the video that we tweeted out, but like, you know, it's so much a player's league now. Yeah. Like think about like with the Warriors or with like LeBron basically runs whatever team that he's on. And to think that Jerry Krause can threaten to break up Rodman, Pippen, Jordan, Phil Jackson, and give them basically an ultimatum. If you win 82 games, you're still not coming back. Like, that's just insane to me. Yeah, imagine picking Phil Jackson over Jerry Krause. I know. I mean, that, that just goes to show you, man. Just a short generation ago, it was whacked up, man. Yeah. I mean, Scottie Pippen. I I knew he was great, one of the top fifty of all time. He was far about, better than I remember. Explain this to me. How about this? Oh, like players are too buddy buddy nowadays. And I think I saw. I don't know where I saw this, but players are too buddy buddy nowadays. But then you got Michael Jordan, Jordan playing and golf Ainge, with golfing. Ainge. Yeah. What the hell is that? In the, the playoff game. I know. Well, what, do you have any thoughts? You're the one of the guys that always complains about. Oh, you talking about buddy buddy yeah. in the playoffs? Well, I don't. I I gotta believe they weren't real buddy buddy when they were golfing against each other. It probably had some high stakes on the line. <laughs> That's what, I didn't Ainge even say that. That yeah, they went out golfing, but really Jordan just wanted to steal his money. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I saw someone say they, they were probably Jordan was probably like feeding him beers and stuff to have him a little hungover <laughs> for that next game. But I mean, yeah, I, I feel like that stuff. It's probably one of those things. Kind of like with Jordan's legacy and, you know, Barkley and maybe the bad boys. Some of these other guys, like, that played back then with no social media, no YouTube. I bet, like, that they were just as buddy-buddy maybe back then as they are now. Maybe not as much, you know, but they probably were friends and stuff like that. They, they just didn't get talked about that much. Like, right. it wasn't that big of a deal. You didn't see guys on the banana boat like LeBron and yeah. his boys or, you know, taking pictures on Instagram and stuff like that. You just didn't see it. Well, one thing's so for I, sure, the, the Pistons, the, the players on the Pistons and the players on the Bulls were not buddy-buddy. That's for sure. That, that's one difference for sure. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for tonight's episode. It's going to be really interesting to see the take on, on the Pistons. And, you know, a lot of people forget, in fact, one of our another one of our former guests, Adam Stanko, posted, uh, you know, the players in the league that beat Michael Jordan and anybody were all Detroit Pistons. So, yeah, the most wins, you know, like individually, are, they're all guys on the bad boys team. So, yeah, like it's one of those things that people just forget about that the bad boys really dominated the Bulls really up until the bad boys kind of started to fall apart a little bit and maybe age caught up or whatever. But, yeah, so hopefully we get into that. And hopefully the dream team part. That that part is always what really gets me Yeah, is, you know, Isaiah Thomas not being on that dream team. I wonder if that's going to be talked about at all. And it, it might be stating the obvious, but, you know, that just was a little karma coming back at the Pistons. I can't – I can't justify Jordan for doing what he did, you know, and they've never really come out and said, yeah, Michael Jordan went to to management and said there's no way I'm playing if Isaiah plays. But I think that's probably what was said, don't you? 
mean, it sure seems like it because how how would Isaiah Thomas not be on that dream team? Right? Without a doubt. But the thing is, you know, I, I guess it also was a little payback because the Pistons – they bloodied Jordan in their whole style of play. I mean, you know, and then the whole walking out without shaking hands. I know that's happened before, but that stuck with Jordan, and he said, you know what, payback's going to be hell, and that's what he did. Yep. But it was, a, it, was a, it was a shame for sure, especially being an Isaiah Thomas and Piston fan. I mean, he's one of probably, I'm going to say, probably one of the top ten players of all time, talking about Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's right up there. I mean, obviously, that's a whole big debate that comes around all the time. Is right. you know, obviously he should have been on the team, but you can't take Isaiah over Michael Jordan on that team. And it's kind of I love oh, how I, yeah, I love how Michael Jordan just kind. I I can appreciate a good grudge and the way that he leveraged that, he where did. he basically had me or him, then basically worked to a perfection. But even you, though Chuck Daly was the coach, right? That 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 was the sad part too. You know, he didn't he didn't have Isaiah's back. He didn't say, you know what, if he can't play on the team, I'm not coaching the team. Wouldn't that have been a ballsy thing? Did and maybe we'll find out more about it. Did Isaiah Thomas have any sort of hatred toward Chuck Daly for deciding to still coach the team? Hmm, it's hard to say. I don't know. I never heard that either. Maybe we'll find out tonight, yeah. fellas. Uh, before we wrap it up, just wanted to throw out there. You know, you brought up I think last week, Jared, about uh, Saturday Night Live. I don't mm-hmm. know if you had a chance to see it uh, this week. It was fantastic. It was, was it? It was a great episode. I mean, Brad Pitt opened it up as uh, Dr. Fucci, or however you say his Fauci. name. Fauci. Yeah. And uh, it was a very solid episode. So if you get a chance, watch it on On Demand. And we also talked about this a while back. Netflix. I, I just happened to see it online. They picked up 2.3 million U.S. members in the first quarter, right when this quarantine thing kind of started. So, man, too bad you wouldn't have invested into Netflix right at the very beginning. It would have been awesome. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for now. Remember to subscribe and rate us on all the big podcasting sites, including Apple Podcast and SoundCloud. Your comments and questions always welcome on our social media sites. That's at 3 Point Pod. Support our 3 Point Podcast partners and tell them you listen in. Advanced Elevator, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, The Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, and ProMech Engineering. Also, be sure to check out our network friends at Sports Radio Detroit. Also, we want to thank our couple special guests we had, Matt Pilliad of Rivals Tap House and Grill and John Moore from Foster's Coffee in Owasso. Got some good insight on their businesses and how they are dealing with the quarantine. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Three Point Podcast. Stay safe out there and bye just for now.